So Merry Christmas, Middle Church, and Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, Jackie sent me the text uh, for the sent me the scripture for today, and I looked at it and I was like, "Ooh, no, I don't, I don't want to preach about that. Uh, it's too scary, it's too ominous, it's too depressing, and it's just too hard. So no thanks." Um, and I was like, let's pick something happy and breezy and light and, or something like really dramatic, you know, uh, or just something really well known like the 23rd Psalm. I'm like, I can do that. Um, I mean, it's still Christmas. Um, so we can take a Sunday to congratulate ourselves and pat ourselves on the back just for getting through it, right? And I can't speak for all of you, but for me, 2019 has been a lot. Um, so we can just chill and let Jesus, Mary, and Joseph relax. And we'll, ke- we'll catch back up with you when Jesus is 12 and in the temple. Except Herod. I mean, what do we know about a despotic, megalomaniac, Lying, cheating, afraid of being impeached leader, snatching babies out of their mama's arms and separating them, or worse. So today's scripture reads like today's headlines. The slaughter of the innocents. And I can't help but think of Sandy Hook, which was seven years ago this month. It's a massacre and Aleppo, which is still slaughtering innocents. And on our southern border, where children are still caged and teenage boys die in cells without proper medical access. And and a hundred cities and counties in Virginia have declared themselves gun sanctuary cities. Let me repeat that, gun sanctuary cities. So maybe the story in Matthew about Joseph and Mary escaping once again with their baby boy so he won't be slaughtered by Herod is not quite that far-fetched. Lord have mercy. When I, I was still a little boy, I wrestled with, for me, which was a huge theological dilemma. I, I was like, 10 or 12 years old, and I could not understand why if God was omnipotent and powerful, capital G-O-D God, why that God would put all of humanity in the heart of a little, fragile, innocent, unprotected, poor, brown-skinned Jewish baby, born in Judea, raised in Palestine. It did not seem very smart or practical to me. And sometimes I'm still like, wow, that unguarded heart, that um, tenderness, it's astonishing that God would be so, so uh, vulnerable because the unguarded, tender part of me is sometimes what I try to protect the most. And then God does the exact opposite. The therapist and spiritual leader, Tara Brock, tells a story about the destruction of a Buddhist temple uh, hundreds of years ago, 
when the invaders killed all the priests and they looted the temple. And she talks about how there was a nine-foot golden, pure gold statue of the Buddha um, that was never found till hundreds of years later. And the reason is because the priests decided to cut before the attack to cover the Buddha in plaster, uh, just plain plaster. And so it was hidden until much later when the plaster started to chip away, which is kind of what happens with us, right? All too often our gold, our most true authentic self is covered with plaster, just kind of waiting to be chipped away by something or someone. Now, if I were God, I would have sent down a warrior. You know, that's probably what, it, and he probably would have looked like Idris Elba. Um, which is why it's a good idea that I'm not God. Uh, but uh, that's another sermon entirely. Um, I was thinking this morning, like, my second favorite Christmas carol of all time is It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. And my favorite verse and my second favorite Christmas carol is, O ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now for glad and golden hours Come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. And I have to say my favorite Christmas carol of all time, we sang this morning, which is O Little Town of Bethlehem. And the line that always gets me um, is the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And that speaks to me in the most profound way because what it says to me is that God is always in the suffering, in the slaughter, in the pain, and in the trauma. And I basically only know any scripture because I grew up singing in choirs, in church choirs my whole life. And then, so I have this like really spotty knowledge of scripture. I can re recite whole passages. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, so I didn't really realize that Romans 8 is like maybe my all-time favorite chapter in the Bible. Um, and I'm not always the biggest fan of Paul because um, other parts of Paul are pretty problematic to me. But that's another sermon too. Um, but first of all, there's this. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I can't think of anything that's more affirming to me. And then there's who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. And I might add, nor trauma, nor racism, nor sexism, nor transphobia, nor homophobia, nor gun sanctuary cities, nor Donald Trump, nor Mitch McConnell shall be able to separate us 
from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And for me, the, the astonishing, life-changing, life-giving thing is that all of that, all of this hope, was incarnated in a refugee baby boy. It takes my breath away when I think about the vulnerability of Jesus, one of the least of these. Especially when I think of the least of these in our world, in our country, in our city. The sobering and terrible fact that Suicide rates among youth are skyrocketing, and particularly among black youth, and when you include black queer youth, your heart can only break. Nigel Shelby was a beautiful, bright, 15-year-old queer black boy from Huntsville, Alabama, who has a mama who adored him and supported him, but it wasn't enough to keep him safe from all the taunting and bullying that he endured. So on April 19th of this year, he took his own life. It shook me to my core. The least of these, Lord have mercy. Giovanni Melton was a 14-year-old queer black boy who in 2017 was shot to death by his own father, allegedly for being gay, Christ have mercy. These are babies we're talking about. And then consider the fact that if black men who have sex with men were a separate country, the HIV infection rate would be the highest in the world, even higher than Swaziland, Africa, which I believe has a rate of almost 30%. The least of these, Lord have mercy. But, but because Romans tells me and I believe that neither tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or anything else in all creation can separate us from God, then I have to believe and live my life as if God is in the middle of all of that. With you, with me, with Nigel, and with Giovanni. And I look and see how very public people like Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union are raising their queer son, Zion, who may be their daughter, Zaya, with unconditional love and support, despite venom being hissed at them from all sides. And how a couple like Will and Jada Smith are doing their best to raise free black children. And how my own sister, Maria, and my brothers, William, Johnny, Raymond, are doing their best to raise children who are full of love and free. And I know that God is most certainly in all of that too. God incarnated in these good people, Christ-like people. Uh, another being that I think is Christ-like is uh, Fred Rogers. Uh, Mr. Rogers is literally everywhere these days. Uh, I've seen the documentary, I've seen the movie, there's this amazing podcast by Carvel Wallace called Finding Fred that's, a, that's truly a gift. And when I think about Mr. Rogers, I think about Isaiah and a little child shall lead them, which is so outrageous 
And I think what Mr. Rogers never wanted us to lose is that real connection that we have with our unguarded, tender, and innocent selves, which is paradoxically powerful. Because when we access that inner child, it really is, if God be for us, who can be against us? So this is the last Sunday of the year, the last Sunday of the decade, and literally, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on our country. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on the least of these. Lord, have mercy on who Mr. Rogers called the helpers. Which brings me to you, Middle Church. Your fight against white supremacy, your fight for a woman's right to make choices about her own body, your fight for queer rights, your fight for gun control, your fight for economic justice, your fight against anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. You know, the favorite phrase I hear at this church is June Jordan's, we are the ones we've been waiting for. The word was made flesh 2,000 years ago, and we are invited to be the incarnation, like Duane and Gabrielle, like Fred Rogers, the hands and feet and heart of God. God is in it because we are in it. And one of the ways that we get in it and we are helped to get in it is that we are loved our way in, in it. So one of the most powerful and poignant things Mr. Rogers ever did occurred usually when he would speak at like an award ceremony or a graduation. And I would like to invite you, Middle Church, to, um, to share in this like really brief sort of meditation with me. Uh, just take a breath and get comfortable. Mr. Rogers would say, all of us have special ones who have loved us, in, loved us into being. Would you take just 30 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are, those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 30 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. Whoever you've been thinking about, how pleased they would be to know the difference you feel that they've made. Um, during my 30 seconds, I was thinking about my grandparents, Grace Hatch and Reverend John Wesley Hatch Sr. They were married and in love for 57 years, and because my immediate family, in my immediate family there was some uh, instability, a lot of the stability in my life came from my mom's parents. I can still hear my grandmother's contralto voice singing the alto part in church, louder than the soprano part, actually, <laughs> knowing every verse of every hymn from memory. Her sense of humor, her pragmatism. I remember her saying to me all the time, I pity the dog that won't wag its own tail, which I was, think I was 21 before I understood what that meant. <laughs> and she also lamented the fact that None of her eight grandchildren turned out to be a preacher. Um, more on that later. Uh, <laughs> um, my granddaddy was an AME Zion minister who went back to school with two young kids to get his college and 
uh, divinity degrees. And he was a spectacular human being and really humble at the same time. And for me, he personified unconditional love. And I am fully aware of the significance of me standing here preaching in this historic pulpit as an out and proud queer black man. And I don't know what my grandparents would have thought of it or would have thought of Middle Church, but I suspect they would have been right here in the front pew. As a matter of fact, I think they are. And, but make no doubt about it, my very existence, my sharing the good news with you today is a political act. There are not many denominations or congregations that welcome all of me, unapologetically queer and black. My beloved AME Zion Church, which nurtured so much of my soul, is not yet a place that I can return to with my full self. Not yet. So, much to nobody's surprise but my own, I am applying to seminary. Uh, <laughs> And God has made this path pretty obvious to me, and yet I'm still looking for signs. Uh, I mean, here I am preaching again at Middle Church, and I think God is like, seriously, girl, get with the program. You know? Sorry, that's, that's how me and God talk sometimes. <laughs> but you know, most of this world is not Middle Church. To quote Jackie Lewis, these are hot mess times we find ourselves in. And me just being me and maybe you just being you is a threat to a lot of people. But if I don't sit at this table that God has so clearly set before me, to quote the 23rd Psalm, what will I say to Nigel? And what will I say to Giovanni every night? when I pray with my broken heart. And what are the Nigels and Giovannis yet to come? So God is in it, in the tender-hearted flesh of baby Jesus, in the wise flesh of my grandparents, in the compassionate flesh of Mr. Rogers, in my not quite ready but trying to get ready flesh. God is all up in this, in this church, in me, and in all of you. So thank you, Middle Church, for loving me into being, for loving the world as God so loved the world. Amen.